Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast, coming up in episode 2. Match fixing in Sweden. Find out exactly what happened between IFK Gothenburg and AIK. But there was a very serious situation in Swedish football recently. I think the pressure that Stamatopoulos was under was, was immense uh, to fix that game. Teams in focus and currently in crisis. John gives you his comprehensive, in-depth analysis on the club that was once known as AFC United. Are they now the most controversial team in the Asvenskan? So the decision was taken to move the club 110 kilometers west. You may want to call them like an MK Dons type scenario. Over in Norway, my attention focuses on rock bottom Viking, where I leap to the defence of English manager Ian Birknell. I personally think they've really got to stay faithful with Ian Birknell. I like what I see from him. Um, they don't need to panic, and I think most of the fans realise the situation the club's in. Talent Corner. We start a new section focusing on the really bright talents over in Norway and Sweden. In this episode, John gives the lowdown on Kingsley Sarfo, and I talk about Sarpsborg's Sigurd Rostedt. Yeah, I've, I've read a little bit about him, and uh, he's been described as one of the best, best defenders in Norway. Is that correct? Well, I, I would personally say he definitely is. But I, I don't know how he hasn't um, had a Norwegian uh, national team cap yet, because he's certainly good enough. For all that and much, much more, join us here on the Nordic Football Podcast. everyone, Steve Wiss here and I'm joined by Jonathan Verdugber and this is episode two of the Nordic Football Podcast. Thanks everyone for listening to the first episode, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm joined by my uh, friend John, how's it going? Hi there everyone, um, hi there Steve, I have my <clears throat> cup of tea ready, I have a pan of chocolate as well so I'm going to delve into those and, and I'm ready for the show, uh, happy, happy to be here and thanks for, thanks for everyone's time. Yep, looking forward to uh, talking more about um, Norwegian and Swedish football in this uh, particular podcast. I'm going to kick us off by mentioning the midweek Norwegian Cup. Uh, now, we're still very much at the early stages of this competition, and um, most of the Elite Serien teams uh, did indeed qualify uh, for the next round. There were some big wins. Rosenborg... Uh, back in business you might say uh, a massive 9-1 success for them um, and uh, just uh, this evening Starbeck won 5-0 Horgerson beat their city rivals uh, 6-0 by and large the Elite Serian teams didn't have too many issues but the, there are a few results uh, I'd like to mention um, the first one being um, Valarenga who uh, were taken to penalties by a fourth tier side uh, Krakeroy. Um and I'm sure that result maybe caught your eye here, John, because I know you had a, a quick uh, look through the results. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems that there's been a few a few interesting games. I saw that there was some interesting pitches, not necessarily the best quality pitches, but what's the level like at that kind of stage of the comp- competitions? And do do teams take it take it seriously in general? Is it sort of taken um, with the seriousness it deserves? Well, obviously, um, I mean, what what's the level like? I mean, there's some really crap teams in at this level, uh, John. Um, but obviously, when they're playing a top elite Assyrian side, the motivation couldn't be any higher, could it? It's their one moment to shine. Um, so, of course, for all these smaller teams, it's a, a huge occasion, and they'd love to cause a cup upset. But you know, it's very there's a big difference in class between you know, the top end of Norwegian football and the bottom end. Um, you're right, some of the pitches are, are shocking, shocking standard. But it's all part and parcel of, of, of the game. Yeah, you just got to get on with it, really, um, John. And uh, I say most of the, the, the elite Serian sides didn't have too many problems. There were just uh, a couple of uh, slip-ups. What were the big shocks? Tell us about them. Yeah, I mean, the first... Uh, one I'm going to have to mention is Sanderfjord, um, who they've had a couple of poor results in the league, actually. Uh, they got hammered 5-0 by Bran, uh, and then they got beaten by Arsenal um, at the weekend. Uh, after a pretty solid start, Sanderfjord, everyone expected them to be the whipping boys in the Elite Serien this year. And just they were just, I say, starting to show a few cracks in the last couple of games. I didn't think much of it, but when you get beaten uh, 3-1 by a fourth tier team um earn uh, they're called earn horton um uh, i think it's a bit worrying is that one i mean look it's not the end of the earth that they get knocked out of the competition I, it's, they probably weren't going to win it were they so they can focus on the league now but yeah that was one worth mentioning and then um well another team who i am going to be talking about in detail um during this podcast viking uh, they got knocked out by uh, eggersons um three one um i mean viking uh, bottom of the elite serian um we're going to talk about them in more detail later but uh i say things seem to be going from bad to worse for the um for that team right now yeah i had a, had a little look at eggersons actually they seem to uh have caused quite an upset there and they you know nicknamed the tigers so it's you know not been the greatest of days for the premier league tigers hull city but uh seems like it's been a fantastic day for the tigers of eggersons yeah, well, uh, Viking were as short as 1.12 with the bookmakers. Um, so um, hopefully there's nobody listening who lumps on uh, Viking in that particular game. But it just shows you, um, you know, they're about, they were about a 10 to 1 shot to win outright. So it was a big shock. Um, there weren't too many shocks around in this particular round. But um, yeah, two uh, elite Assyrian sides there that were uh, knocked out. Yeah, that seems like quite a shock. I mean, uh, looking at some of the results, Starbeck seems to have won five nil against Asker. Uh, you know, few few of the teams cruising through. So clearly, the you know the teams who have who have, who have lost in uh, from the Norwegian Premier League, the top division, they're going to be quite upset with that. I would have thought. Yeah, some really big wins, um, some comfortable wins, uh, as you might expect. And the next round, I think there'll be a few more uh, closer games, maybe some bigger matchups uh, as well. Let's just talk about some news. Um, in uh, Sweden. Uh, now, I did mention in the last podcast we were going to talk about um, the match-fixing incident between uh, IFK uh, Jotunberg and um, IAK. Um, now, I, I was actually even going to watch that game um, the back end of last week, um, and then I was shocked to see it suddenly postponed. 
at the time i just presumed there was some sort of weather incident or whatever um and then i found out that there was um and allegations of potential match match fixing um which led to this postponement i mean i don't really know the ins and outs of this uh, john you, you know a lot more than me so just just tell the listeners a bit more about exactly what happened yeah i mean it's interesting it was it's intriguing that you say that in terms of you know seeing that the game was often thinking it was to do with perhaps the weather or something uh i myself as well when i saw the news about it being postponed and i think the first thing i, I read about it was someone saying you know we we strongly condemn this and you know this is very worrying unfortunately uh, in the current climate we're in in the world and obviously you know i want to quickly just say i was my, 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 my thoughts this week has largely been with people, the people of Manchester and, you know, the, t the tragic events. I have to be honest and say the first thing I, I wondered when I saw this, you know, there's been a terrible thing. I was, you know, it, my mind jumped for, firstly to something awful. Um, fortunately, nobody, nobody's been harmed, but there was a very serious situation in Swedish football recently. Uh, I think the, the well-being of, of a player was compromised. The report suggests that they, there was a threat against a player of uh, AIK. Who was approached to bribe the game uh, of the AFK I, uh, AIK match? Um, this was described as a very serious attack on Swedish football. That's a direct quote by uh, a spokesman. Uh, the Swedish police were involved, and the game was called off. Uh, they said they've taken it very seriously, and I was, I think, encouraged by the reaction of the Swedish authorities. I think they sent a very clear message. I think calling the game off was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, I think the pressure that was put under whichever player this was, and as I mentioned in the episode one of the podcast, uh, you know, it was a certain player who was compromised, uh, whose identity they originally wanted to keep uh, a secret, but it, it's since come out as the ARK goalkeeper, uh, Kyriakos Stamatopoulos, and, uh, you know, he was supposedly offered a substantial amount of money to fix the game. And I think... You know, the integrity of sport is, is, is of paramount importance, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree with me there, and I'm sure listeners would agree with me as well. And any kind of threat to that is something that has to be taken really seriously. You know, we all love football for for the unpredictability of it and, you know, the, the purity of it, I think. And anything like this, match-fixing, really is, I think, quite quite deplorable. So I do believe that the authorities made the right decision in, in terms of ca cancelling the game and having a thorough investigation i just hope everyone's safety is uh secured and you know no nobody you know these the threats that were reportedly made aren't, aren't aren't serious and you know as i said on the first podcast it was a real brave act of stamatopoulos to come through you know he made some key saves in the game aik won one nil so you know he proved himself and he proved his integrity there and i can only congratulate him for that uh and yeah i mean obviously you yourself will know match fixing is a, is a scourge, isn't it, in, in football in general, and you know not 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 strictly related to Scandinavia, but I think their response has been really encouraging, and I can only applaud the authorities. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a, a very serious incident. Um, I think there's different types of match fixing that goes on. There was one, you're right, that was uh, involved in, in French football with uh, Nîmes uh, two or three years ago. Uh, completely different type of thing. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm certainly not one who's going to um, produce uh, guesses about uh, match fixing. I think you've got to have concrete evidence with everything before you speculate. But it does sound like the Swedish authorities uh, have dealt with this incident really well. And that's really encouraging. Um, and as I said, just uh, certainly an incident I felt we, we had to mention. 
Um, um, but now we can move on, um, move on from it, really, can't we? Yeah, hopefully, I think. Hopefully, Swedish football can move on from this. I think it's, you know, as I said previously, it's, it's a beautiful game, and we want it to remain beautiful. And I think these kind of threats, you know, I have no sympathy for the people who are trying to make money in this way. You know, I think it's a really low thing to do, to be honest. And um, you know, I think the pressure Stamatopoulos was under was was immense uh, to fix that game. And you, we don't know to what extent. You know, in a sense, there's a, there's an element of arrogance to this to approach a keeper of one of the best clubs in in Sweden, one of the most supported, well supported, high profile teams. It does make you wonder to a certain extent. You know, where else is this going on? This could be happening at far lower levels in terms of their profile. And that that does worry you. So anything that's as high profile as this has to be taken with the most strict and severe penalties. And hopefully that will be the case. Absolutely, I completely agree there. Um, and uh, let's hope we we don't hear anything more of this in in, in Swedish football for it to happen in a, a top flight game. Um, it, it's it's rather mental, I must admit. Um, so um, I, to be honest with you, I don't think it was a story that got enough. Uh, publicity in some ways it kind of um was brushed over the carpet um around a lot but obviously not in sweden but i mean sort of around uh, europe in general but um thanks for your thoughts on that uh, john um I think that's no, problem, no problem i mean hopefully we can you know move on to more upbeat to- topics and you know uh, talk about more more exciting things but yeah it's something that does have to be discussed doesn't it and you know yeah. i'm sure all listeners would agree as well uh, with that sentiment yeah completely completely agree there so yeah, let's move on. And um, I do believe you've got a couple of questions to ask me about the, the Norwegian league, which you've been keeping your eye on um, uh, recently a lot. Of course, I mean, you are the man for Norway, and you know I've been looking at the the table, and you know we are pretty much thirty three point three percent, I think, through through the season now. So, listeners who listen to the first episode and we are keen to hear your feedback and any comments we'd be very welcome to hear that so you can follow us on, on twitter now um the nordic football podcast uh but we talked about Nor- uh, rosenberg in the first episode and you know them being the main man of of norwegian football but what i noticed is obviously as we discussed they are not doing so well uh, not they're at the top of the league but not really clear so there are a few challenges below them and that drew my eye to the the teams below them. So I guess my question to you, Steve, and uh, what we could maybe discuss now is, if anybody can conquer Rosenberg, who can? It's a very good question because at the start of the season, um, I think most people in Norwegian football expected uh, a Rosenborg cakewalk to win the league by at least 10 points. Now that might still happen. Uh, Let's not forget Rosenborg uh, have a fantastic squad, the best squad on paper. And, you know, they were 9-1 in midweek in the cup. Who knows, maybe that might restart their motor and they might go on a ridiculously good winning run. Um, but at the start of the season, most people would have said the possible challenges are Mulder, Valerenga and, and Strom Skodset. I think the main reason for that is because of the managers involved. Um, you've got Solskjaer, Skula Rudd and um, Ronnie Delia, the uh, ex-Celtic uh, manager. So three high-profile managers who have all won this elite Serien before. And the hope was that those three teams could could challenge uh, Rosenborg. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing is that I think all three have looked bloody awful, to be honest, uh, John. Especially someone like Strums Goodser, who are actually in the bottom three right now. Uh, and they, they deserve to be down there. They've played, played awful. Um, the way I see it, Mulder uh, are far too inconsistent. 
I know there's been a lot of criticism of Shulkshire's tactics, and I'm going to be one of those critics as well. Uh, we'll probably talk about Mulder perhaps in the next episode, actually, in a bit more detail, because they are a rather an interesting case. And and Valerenga, I think they're, they're a team pretty much in position, really. I think you've got to give Ronnie Dealey at least a year at the helm before he can sort of build the squad he wants. They're also going to be moving stadium um, very soon. Uh, in fact, I do believe there was a question on Twitter um, about this uh, stadium uh, move and how, how it's going to affect them. And I personally think it's going to be a positive um, for Valerenga because the, the Ulevar Stadium is obviously the national stadium in, in Oslo. And it's been a long time since I've seen it full for an Elite Serian game. So I think maybe the new stadium can give them a bit more of an identity themselves and it should be a positive. I think they're a team to watch out for in the future. Um, it's a nice building project um, there. Um, I think the hope was they could sort of challenge the top three or four this year. That still might happen. But yeah, as I say, those are the three teams people expected to challenge. And what's actually happened is um, we're ended up with the likes of Bran, Sarpsborg, Sarpsborg, Starbeck and Odd, who are the most likely to um, to go after Rosenborg. And, you know, uh, right now, I would say the most likely team is Sarpsborg um, because they're a really good all-round unit. They've got a strong um, squad depth and um, they're the most likely. But perhaps the most sort of passionate team are a team called Brand. They're from Bergen. And I'm sure you know quite a lot about Bran, uh, John, because they're, they're, they're quite well known even outside of um, Norway for their most in incredible passionate support. And I think you saw a couple of their games, didn't you? Yes, I am quite aware, Steve, of, uh, of Bran. I'm aware that they're you know, considered by many to be a, a sleeping giant of Norwegian football. I'm aware they have quite a popular fan base, you know, supposedly a beautiful city. I've never never been there myself, but uh, it's meant to be a really you know nice place. I believe there's a UNESCO-listed site nearby. Uh, I know a little bit about the, the culture and, and the football team, but you know you, you'll be more of an expert myself. I think you know one player I have identified there who you know I know from times past is Daniel Bratton, who spent some time in uh, abroad as well. Went to different European leagues, played for Toulouse, uh, where he did quite well and sort of played internationally. Um, how have they been doing? And are they any closer to sort of uh, rekindling their status as a, as, a, as a giant of Norwegian football? Yeah, well, Brann were a silver medalist uh, last year in this league uh, on the back of promotion. Um, they kind of, their main, their, their style was to defend really well. They had a lot of 1-0 wins, um, great home record. And I think they were one of them teams that everyone expected to regress this year because of the way that they went about their business last year. I mean, I think when everyone sees a team win by the odd goal a lot of times they're like well they can't do that again next year in the so same sort of way that Leicester you know won the Premier League with um at the back in the back end of their season um everyone was on about the inevitable drop down which did happen but what we've seen of Brand I think they've changed their style they're they're suddenly the top goal scorers in the league which is pretty incredible really um they've retained most of their defensive uh, strength so you know I've got a funny feeling they might actually be a bigger challenger than than people um, were expecting. Uh, if certainly if they keep their really strong home form up, um, potentially it could lead them to the title. To, to win it, they're still going to need Rosenborg to to drop off because I have my question marks about Bran away from home. Um, yeah, I mean I'm looking at the table now and they're, they're second in the table. They have a, a better goal difference than than Rosenborg. 
scored more goals. Um, you know, realistically speaking, if you had, had to, you know, predict, could you could you see them really being champions? Yeah, I mean, it, it would require Rosenborg to still have a, a below par rest of the season. Uh, another really interesting team is Sarpsborg. Um, no one really knows an awful lot about them outside of Norway, but they've got they have got a really big squad. They, I mean, say there's a midweek round going on, they can rest a lot of players midweek and then play the others at the weekend. That their second sort of eleven, their sort of you know reserve lineup is still really strong, um, and they don't rely on one sort of player either. Um, so Sarpsborg, um, who played an incredible game against Rosenborg, they lost it, but it was an incredibly dramatic match. They more than matched Rosenborg. Um, in in that fixture, uh, and they are good away from home. You feel uh, really good all round side. So I think Brand or Sarpsborg are the two teams who could potentially win the title. Some people would say odd ball club might, um, but at the moment I'm just not convinced myself. I think there's something missing about odd. Can't quite put my finger on it. I suppose at the weekend you could say. They had a great chance if they'd beaten Mulder, they would have gone joint top of the table with Rosenborg and they lost the game. You know, it's kind of like in the real pressure situations, odd maybe aren't, aren't the sort of team who can deliver. It'd be really great if we if we get a, a title race on our hands between um, three or four teams that uh, no one expected it to, to, to happen, uh, John. And uh, right now, I think we're set up for a, an exciting season in, in Norway, that's for sure. Sounds like it could be an odd season in Norway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I know we talked a bit about the top of the, the table in Sweden last time, Al. I've got a few questions to ask you about the bottom half of the uh, Alsvenskan. And um, yeah. I notice uh, right at the bottom we've got AFC uh, Eskilstuna, uh, Kalmar, Halmstad, Urubro, they're right down there. Are there any surprises at the moment uh, in terms of teams or is it, as we, as you kind of expected at the start start of the season, uh, the teams that would be in the relegation battle. Yeah, I think to be honest, the table, uh, the old cliche, the table doesn't lie. And I think at the moment, it's not really telling too many porkies. Um, if you look at the the table, the teams who kind of people expected to be perhaps further down the table are there. I think more was expected from Kalmar than perhaps uh, has been achieved so far. For me, I think there's a very fair case to say that Kalmar have been the worst team in, in the league this season. Uh, I think they are desperate at times, this team. Uh, now, this is a team that has some quite good players, actually, uh, for Swedish level. Uh, the famous Elms, they have uh, obviously Rasmus Elm, David Elm, uh, Victor Elm, previously linked with Liverpool. Um, but they have been... Shocking, to be honest. Uh, they've won one game and from 10, and they are way down the league. I think one of the star players is, um, you know, Ismail Silva-Lima, who's been out injured for most of the season. They do have a, an interesting player called Melka Halberg, who's on loan from Udinese, uh, who I quite like. Uh, played a superb assist uh, against Hammerby earlier on in the season, in the second game. Um, has a bit of a vision and eye for, eye for a pass, young player. Uh, Romario as well, who's a more experienced player uh, in midfield. But they have really failed to live up to expectations so far. Uh, and they actually have really some really talented young players as well coming up. But unfortunately, they haven't been able to, to get results. 
Uh, AFC United, I think we're going to come on to them later. I think one of the plans of this podcast is to kind of focus on a couple of teams per week. And I think they're going to be one of the teams we're looking at, right, Steve? Yeah, um, I was just going to introduce the new, the new section that we're going to have each week. Um, I know for a lot of listeners um, who might be just starting to get into these um, Scandinavian leagues during the summer, um, we're going to be talking about one team in the top flight each week um, on each podcast, one from Norway, one from Sweden. So, uh, you know, within a few weeks, we'll hopefully get through most of the um, the sides. And uh, we're going to start off... Um, by talking about a couple of teams in crisis, uh, you might say, and certainly uh, the team that used to be known as AFC United um, in, in in Sweden right now, ten games played yet to get a victory. I mean, the way I see it, you're in an awful lot of uh, shit, really. Um, is it as bad as the results suggest, or have they just been really unlucky? Yeah, I think obviously for those who don't know, perhaps there may be people listening to this podcast who don't necessarily follow Swedish football, um, you know, in, in in detail. So I'm going to give a little bit of background to AFC Eskilstuna, or if you're a fan of Prince, um, the artist formerly known as AFC United, formerly known as Vasby United, formerly known as FC Cafe Opera. Um, now, you know, they're a team who you could argue are one of the most intriguing teams of the Swedish league this season, but for reasons perhaps that aren't necessarily to do with football. Uh, we'll come to on the field matters in a minute, but I, I want to just briefly touch on the history because uh, it's, it's an important part of their story. And fans who do know the league will, will probably know more about this and will know a little bit about this. Now, there's a fairly complex rules in, in Sweden in terms of ownership and AFC Eskilstuna have caused a massive stir in Sweden because they, their owner, who is a, a billionaire owner called Alex Rieson, has uh, their chairman, has kind of moved the club around, uh, basically. Uh, it's kind of merging with other teams. Vasby United was one, FC Cafe Opera. They then became FC, AFC United in, I think, 2012, based nearby in Stockholm, kind of a region of Stockholm, Solna. Um, and they've had good success, you know, that, to be honest, like, you know, I, th- I think if we're just looking at on-the-field matters, they, they've put together quite an exciting team. They've got a very un-Swedish kind of squad, to be honest. They, they have a blend of kind of African players. Um, they have a couple of English players, uh, players from all around, really. And, you know, a bit of a, a melting pot of a club in, in, the, in the playing side of things. Rose through the leagues and then uh, won promotion last season from the Super Etten and became AFC Eskilstuna. Now, the reason for this was because it was established that, you know, there's a there's a bit of a small problem in Stockholm in the sense that they're going to be competing against a club who you may know as AIK Solna, who uh, are the dominant force, and it's going to be very hard to attract fans. So the decision was taken to move the club 110 kilometres west, uh, picked up the club, uh, you may want to call them like an MK Dons type scenario and move them to Eskilstuna, which is a city where they've never had any real major success in in the top flight of Swedish football. And so they looked at this, the chairman looked at this as an opportunity to, um, you know, establish a new brand, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you talk about this team. What were the actual main expectations before the start of the season? 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, to be honest, it's been quite a crazy season and I'd love to hear from any listeners as well what they, their opinions are, especially if you're from Scandinavia perhaps or if you're listening from Sweden or somewhere like that. I'd love to hear opinions um, because it is a kind of a talking point in that sense. You know, in England, MK Dons, for example, are hated for the way they kind of took over Wimbledon. This is perhaps slightly different. There was an agreement between um, the team who play in Eskilstuna and, and the new team, AFC Eskilstuna, to kind of collaborate um, to an extent, you know, I think their youth academies will be merged and they will operate from there. Um, the aim being to kind of attract more fans, but it's caused massive stir in Sweden. I'll give you an example. I was actually at the uh, game, IFK Gothenburg against IFK, IFK Jotoborg. Sorry, I'm talking uh, in Kuala Gothenburg there, but yeah, IFK Jotoborg um, against AFC. They played, uh, you know, three or four weeks back, I believe. And the fans of IFK Gothenburg held a banner up, basically calling the team orphans, saying that you know you are uh, you are the orphans of Sweden. Um, there were five travelling fans, AFC Eskilstuna fans, just a five. You could pack them in a bus, which they did. The bus was then attacked after the game uh, from some fans, basically uh, trying you know saying they're going to kill the fans. Um, obviously, you know these could be just drunk idiots, to be honest. Um, but it got kind of a lot of press coverage. You know, uh, they were kind of threatened, and the fans were, you know, kind of scared, and you, as you would be. Um, it's, it sounds like they're a re- really hated club. Um, that's for sure, certainly off the field. But let's just talk about on the field matters. And I was actually looking at this um, team on um, on transfer marked uh, earlier in the day, and um, I have to say, one one name really, really stood out to me. I was looking at the market value of the players, and I mean, you got to take these market values with a pinch of salt. I must admit, um, uh, from my experience, but. Um, uh, their most valuable player, according to this website, is Emmanuel Frimpong. And um, I, I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners uh, back in England will know him from his time at Arsenal. Apparently, his market value is uh, £500,000 uh, right now. Uh, I don't know whether that's a bit extreme or not. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen him in action. But um, I would imagine that he is obviously their, their star stud uh, player, John. Is that correct? In a word, no. Right. Um, I would say no. Um, Frimpong, okay. Frimpong, where do we where do we start with Emmanuel Frimpong? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, he came from the Arsenal's academy, uh, given a couple of games, I believe, by Veng- Arsene Wenger. Um, but to be honest, his time at ASCS Eskils Tuna, you know, he he was quite well known in England for creating a fashion label called Dench. Well, I think they'd be better off changing the name to Bench from next season because that's where he's been sitting for quite a long time this season. Um, <laughs> lack of application, uh, questionable desire, I would say. Um, I don't want to be too critical to him, and I would, you know, go as far as to say that you know he he's flattered to deceive in Sweden so far. I would say, um, and I think he's been emblematic, perhaps, of the of the problems there. And you know, I think one of the problems with a player like that is. And this can happen in leagues that are perhaps below the top tier of European leagues. They arrive on a high salary or arrive with a high reputation and, and kind of, you alluded to the, with Bentner last week on the show, they arrive with a kind of belief that they're above the league. And I think Emmanuel Frimpong has had a wake-up call in Swedish football. Um, his first couple of games were terrible. Uh, one of the worst performances I've seen for a while was his debut. He barely completed a pass, uh, except for one assist, to be fair to him. But, you know, he was clearly not fit, um, barely ran at all, and, and the team lost the, that game. 
And yeah, like I say, he's been emblematic of their of their problems. I mean, he's been on the bench quite. You know, there was one game where he was hauled off at half time. Um, this is a player that was named by Expressen, which is an established, you know, an esteemed Swedish journal in a magazine publication. He was named in the top twenty five players in the league. But to be honest, I don't think being honest, I don't think he would fit into the top 250 players at this moment in time. I think, you know, he probably needs to buck up his ideas. Um, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but... but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that he would be named in that top 25 because on paper, and this is, you know, someone like me who obviously, I, I know a little bit about the league, but not in depth, you know, I would presume he would uh, fit into that mould. It sounds like the biggest problem is perhaps mental right now. Do you, do you think he can turn this around or is this going to be complete failure well i'll give you an example steve i mean on the back of this shirt he calls himself frimmy obviously a nickname and in a recent interview he said that from next season he might change the back of it, the name on the back of this shirt to dench which i say as i say is his fashion label right. me, that sums up everything that's wrong with the player's mindset in the sense that you know he's looking at this as kind of a branding exercise or you know a a bit of a joke and he was kind of the same at arsenal to be fair um, like I say, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. You know, he has talent. There's no doubt knowing that he's come from the Premier League originally, played in Russia for a while, but, but he's kind of drifted around his career. And I think it's a shame in a, in a way because he does have the ability to perhaps dominate that league, I think. Um, but he just hasn't got in the team. And I think, you know, you know, we can move on to other players and look at the impact they've had. And, you know, this is a team that hasn't won a game yet this season. They've played 10 games, haven't won a single one of them. Yeah. Um, I would give credit to the goalkeeper Tim Erlandson, who has done well, a uh, 20 year old who's on loan. Um, and a little point on him, he actually paid for the away fans' bus to be repaired uh, at the AFK Jotobor game. Uh, so credit to him. Um, you know, they have a couple of other players Bjornquist, uh, Janaid Mead, who's from England, uh, ex Arsenal Academy as well, but he's been a lot more dedicated, uh, applied himself far greater in a far greater way and has kind of adapted to the league and has done well. Um, and then, yeah, they have a couple of other players. I mean, I don't know if you want to touch on any players in particular or discuss their situation, but... Well, I'll tell you one uh, one person I do want to touch upon is the manager. Uh, now, when you've not won a game uh, yet this season out of 10 attempts, um, I think inevitable pressure comes upon the man in charge. Um, I mean, can he tell us a bit about what, what sort of tactics he's been employing and exactly how much pressure he is under? Could, this, could he get sacked anytime soon? Yeah, it's funny you should say that because there are there are reports now that you know the time is running out. Um, AFC got a, a, a nil-nil draw at the weekend against uh, Hecken, who were one of the best teams in the league, uh, reputedly anyway, uh, which was a good point for them. But before that, they'd lost five in a row, uh, five straight games. You know, a, a few good players, in my opinion, with flair. They're flair players like Omar, <clears throat> Omar Dari, uh, Mohamed Bouyatore is another one to look out for. But, you know, they're not getting the results at the moment. There's been many suspensions. They, they're picking up kind of needless red cards. Um, some of their key players have missed games for, for red cards. And then Rashkaj, Buyatore as well. Um, so this has put real pressure on the manager. Now, I know for a fact that the mood in the camp, you know, I know um, people close to the club and, you know, I know the mood in the camp is quite, quite, quite low. And there's been reports that he has two games to save his job. Unfortunately, those two games are Garden and AIK, who are quite stringent defensively. So it's going to be a real test for Pele Olsen. Um, 
tactically, he's been playing in a 4-4-2, mainly. Um, switching around, like I say, they've got quite a, mi- a mishmash of a squad. Several different players from several different backgrounds. And I don't think he's really established a first-choice lineup yet. And that's partly because of suspensions and injuries. But also because I'm not sure. If, I think the squad might be a little bit too big in, in that in a sense, and he hasn't really been able to settle on the team. But he has to do that soon because, yeah, like I say, they haven't won a game yet this season. They are bottom of the league fairly comfortably. Um, but, you know, with a couple of wins, they could climb out of it. So, yeah, it's real pressure. The next two games for him are real pressure. And, you know, I hope for the sake of the club they can push out of it, but it's going to be difficult from here for the manager himself. Yeah, I mean, it looks like this weekend they're all obviously away at uh, your garden, and um, it looks like it might be a case of uh, you're gone instead of uh, <laughs> you know one a you know, really bad result there, and he, he's probably going to be out the door, isn't he? Um, so just before we, we move on to my uh, in-depth team, is there any last uh, things you want to say about AFC? Is there a couple of players who perhaps might give the fans hope that they can turn it around? Definitely, mate. I mean, you know, the the thing is that the club, I mean, with all the name changes and everything, you know, they, this is a team that has had more monikers than, than Bill Clinton. And <laughs> they are basically hated in Sweden by many clubs. I'll give you an example. Malmo, they're playing Malmo uh, to come. And Malmo, have, the fans of Malmo have basically said that they're going to boycott the game because they don't want to contribute to this football club getting any money. Now, when you're in a situation like that, I think it puts the pressure on players because they, you know, it, it's not nice to be playing for a club where you're described as orphans, you're booed, you know, your fans are attacked. And that, that puts pressure on them. So I think it's going to take players of character to really rise above that and kind of play their natural game. I do actually think they play quite nice football. I don't think they are as bad as the, the you know, the results perhaps imply. There's been games where they've kind of been in it and then lost, you know, 2-1, 1-0, that kind of thing. Um, they've, you know, they got a draw at IFK. They played really well in that game. And actually, I think they were the better team on that day. Um, like I say, in terms of players, as you say, I think Omar Adari, the captain, is one to definitely look out for. He's a kind of, on his day, he reminds me a bit of Riyad Mahrez. He's got that kind of technique, that technical style, um, dabbing and weaving between defenders, so to speak. Uh, Mohamed Bouyatore is a Serie Leonian uh, player, and he he is a player that I think can can go a lot higher. Um, I think he's got potential. Um, Defensively, they have problems, I think, and that's gonna that's gonna be where they might lose this league in in, in in you know in terms of relegation potentially. But they do have some flair players, and if they can maybe add a bit more steel, then they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're they're uh, obviously at the moment they're playing the worst, perhaps the worst football in the league. Uh, they're obviously one of the smaller clubs, but they're a small club that no one likes. I mean, it's it does remind me a lot like MK M, MK Dons in the UK or franchise franchise FC, whatever you want to call them, and the the team in Germany, yeah, Red Bull um, uh, Leipzig. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's no, it can't be any fun uh, being a fan or a player. And um, you know, right now the situation looks bleak. The manager, you know, he's on his last leg, so they're in. Yeah, they're in speaking, a speaking of managers. Then. But, you know, Pele Olsen, I do think he, you know, he has, does have some experience. So I, I do feel some sympathy for him. But you know, results kind of, at the end of the day, results are everything, aren't they? I mean, if we were to look at Norway, is there an equivalent kind of club? Is there a manager perhaps who's come under pressure? Is there a, a crisis team that we could discuss there? Yeah, I mean, the club I'm going to talk about in depth uh, today is Viking, um, and 
it, in many ways it's 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 the opposite to um what's going on in the Alsvenskan because Viking they are rock bottom of the elite Assyrian right now they've only got five points one win from 10 games um as things stand they're actually six points already away from the nearest safe position which um isn't very good but in in the case of Viking um I think they've been extremely unlucky. Um, uh, there's not many games out of their 10 I can actually remember them being outplayed in. Uh, maybe the 3-0 defeat against Sarpsborg uh, is about the only one, really. Um, and the the 4-0 against uh, Songdao, which they lost. So two two really poor performances out of 10. You know, any team sort of... That can happen to, happen to, happen to most teams, really. Um, in, in any league, can't it? But they, they should have definitely picked up points in other fixtures. They've conceded a lot of goals. They've created a lot of chances uh, without taking them. And um, they've got an interesting history, this club. They're kind of one of the historical big boys. They've won a lot of titles back in the day, not for a number of years now. Um, but they've also got financial problems. And it started midway through last season. They they lost. They were starting to lose in, in uh, really influential players like AJ Suarez, um, centre back uh, Bjorn Sverison. He went to the Danish league, and Suleiman Abdullahi. He went um, to Bundesliga's fight in Germany. So midway through last season, they 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 lost three key players without really replacing them. And then just at the start of this campaign, they lost Abdi Ibrahim to uh, Valerenga. Joachim uh, Jorgensen to uh, Sarpsborg. So they've lost key players without replacing them adequately. Um, they haven't got any money. Um, you know, they literally haven't got a, um, a pot to piss in, mate. You know, that's how dire the situation is uh, I mean, for, for Viking, you know? The thing that stands out to me, I think looking at Viking, you know, the, the, the one thing that immediately stands out for people from the UK perspective is the manager, I believe, who... I think is is English. Is that correct, Ian Birchnell? Yeah, Ian Birchnell. Um, he who was a, a an assistant manager at um, Sarpsborg when Brian Dean was a manager there, and I know that got quite a bit of uh, press, didn't it? When um, when Dino uh, was over there managing for two years, well, well, uh, Birchnell was the assistant, and uh, when uh, Brian Dean moved back to England, he became the assistant at Viking. Um, I think certainly for at least one season, um, maybe two. Um, as an understudy, um, I've got to be honest, I really like what I see from Ian Birknell. I think he's uh, one of these sort of modern young managers who, who wants to play the game in the right way. He's got his, he's got some really good systems. He plays in the 4-2-3-1, which is quite dynamic. You can really see what he's trying to tell the players to do. Um, you know, um, I really like his system, his motivation. I think he talks a great game. And I think he's got a really promising future. Viking, in my personal opinion, uh, certainly should not panic at this start. They've got to keep Versional. Uh, I don't think they could probably afford to fire him anyway, to be honest. But um, they, they really should st uh, stick the faith here because if he if he actually had sort of better players to work with or players that would fit into his system better, um, I'm sure they'd be doing better. I mean, just talking about going forwards, one of their big problems is the lack of goals. And I think he said in one interview, interview after a game, he would have been better off playing up front himself. That's how poor the finishing was. And and it's true. There's only a certain amount the, the manager can do, um, John. He can't put the ball in the back of the net uh, for a striker. Um, as an example, they, they signed an Icelandic player last season called Patrick Pedersen. He scored 31 goals in 52 appearances over in the Icelandic league. Uh, Viking even paid... Uh, close to £200,000 for his services, which is quite a lot of money back then. 
um, certainly for a club that is now in real big financial problems. But look, he had a terrible start to the year. Um, I, I really criticised him in the first half of last season. Um, I mean, dear, oh dear me. I think it took him 12 appearances to actually finally bag a goal. Um, I mean, in the first half of the season, you had you had more chance of, of seeing a rocking horse take a shipmate than him scoring a goal. That is how poor he was. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's a really nice guy and all that. I don't know him, but on the field, it, it was appalling. He did manage to bag five goals in the second half of the season, which, which was more encouraging for him. And, and, I did wonder whether he would actually start this season as, as their main striker. But I think Ian Burknell is a good um, a good judge of player and he's not seen many minutes on the field, uh, John. And for good reason too, because he, he obviously he's not a good enough finisher. Yeah, well, you know, leaving to one side out the, the rocking horse analogy there, which has given me a, an interesting mental image. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at Viking, they're one of the most successful teams i believe in in norway um they are and i guess they, you're yeah, going to be asking to where it's gone wrong being in this kind of predicament you know the, the, they're quite low down in the table you know do you think they can climb out of it and as a team in focus you know what would you say uh, the manager perhaps has to do to, to change things besides bringing perhaps better players up front is there a tactical system he's playing um that's you know New to yeah. Norway or anything like that? Has he brought yeah, any he new just, ideas? He's playing a four-two-three-one, which actually in Norway is fairly unusual. Not a lot, of, not many teams play a four-two-three-one over there, even though it's a really obviously common formation in in Europe, um, uh, continental Europe. It's, you know, maybe you could say he needs to change it, and maybe a more sort of simplistic approach would get the the most out of the current bunch of players. But I think he's certainly waiting for this summer window to try and will and deal you know getting guys that he wants to get in i mean that they suffered this 3-1 cup defeat um against the third tier team in in midweek and i've read an interesting article after the game he, he's finally he's really really criticized the players he's had a right go at them and and rightly so as well i think he's really disappointed in in, in the performances of a lot of players um i mean it's concerning, though, uh, when, when that happens. But their actual performances on the field most of the time have been quite good. They just haven't scored enough goals or they've conceded at the wrong time of games late on. And I can't help but feel they've been really unlucky. Um, how do they turn it around? They've just got to stay patient. But I guess when you keep losing games or, or not not winning games, I mean, they lost with the um with the last kick of uh, sorry they drew with the last kick of the game um uh, on monday night against starbuck and that just rather sums them up right now um i think they can stay up still i think they're um they've got the the players to stay up i mean obviously i mentioned samuel adam bedro the other the other day he will be probably sold in the summer he might maybe the funds they get for him they can re reinvest in the squad i personally think they've really got to stay faithful with ian burknell I like what I see from him. Um, they, they don't need to panic. And I think most of the fans realise the situation the club's in. Um, but certainly it's it's troubling times. Yeah, I mean, looking at the history of V-King, one thing that stands out is they I think they once knocked out Chelsea, didn't they, out of, uh, out of the UEFA Cup. Uh, so, they, you know, they have a proud history, it seems. And hopefully they're going to be able to, to get out of it. 
I hope they can, um, because as I, I feel they've been unlucky. I, I like the club as a whole. They're, they're, they're a team that needs to be in the Elitisarian for the good of the league. And, um, you know, hopefully they, they can turn it around. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens. But, uh, yeah, from my personal point of view, I think they need to uh, stay stick with the manager, keep working hard, and the results will come. And, um, you know, they've got to obviously try and wheel and deal in the summer window and um, improve. They need they need to get strikers that can really be clinical up front. That is the big, big problem. If they can convert the chances, then um, obviously they will start moving up the table. Now, uh, we're going to move on to a new another new section we're going to be talking about each week. It's going to be named Talent Corner. Each of us is going to name um, about a player in Norway and Sweden, respectively, that we really like at the moment. Often it might be sort of um, a young, talented player who potentially could move away to bigger and better things. Not necessarily um, specific to that, but um, you're going to start us off, uh, John, with a player called Kingsley Sarfo, who plays for Sirius. Yes, IK Sirius. Uh, and we're about to get serious on this one. Uh, no, this is a really, a really good player. And I think anyone listening who is familiar with Swedish football will probably know a little bit about this, this guy. For those of you who don't know him, you, you will, I think, soon know him because I, I do think a move to a, a bigger league is imminent. Um, there's been a lot of reports about him, um, perhaps leaving this summer, in fact. So if you are watching him in Sweden, this could be one of your last chances to get to watch him. So definitely go and have a look. He's a, a 22-year-old Ghanaian. Uh, he's got good good technique, uh, small, stocky guy. Um, technically, he can play, you know, plays as a centre midfielder. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited about this section and we're going to be looking at players who can develop maybe and leave, either leave or, 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 you know, destroy their league, to, so to speak. Um, yeah, so Kingsley Sofo is definitely one, Steve. I mean, are you familiar with him at all or is there any questions that you might have that you want me to, to talk about? I've got to say, I've, ne- I've never actually seen him play. Um, so I don't really know an awful lot about him. Um, he's obviously still young at 22 years old. Uh, you know, he's, he seems like one of these African talents that you do see in um, up in Scandinavia. And what would you say are his two, two or three really big strengths? Yeah. So, okay. To give a bit, a bit of background, obviously, he was uh, he was actually picked up by I think a Swedish scout spotted him playing in Ghana for a local team there, uh, and was brought to Sweden. Came across and. He's done well, you know, he's thrived in the, in the league for Syria. Sirius are a team, you know, a fairly small team, to be fair. I think they've only ever had three top flight seasons in, in the history in the in the um, old Svenskan. So, you know, this isn't a team that's perhaps in this position to keep hold of, the, of their best players. Um, but Sarfo is, is certainly one of them. He immediately, you know, you know they, they were promoted and he's you know, immediately come into the league. And they've been one of the su- surprise packages, actually. They've, they've pulled out some really big results. Uh, they beat Yorgarden away in the opening game, 2-0, and he was widely considered the best player um, on the pitch that day. He scored twice, um, won all Svenskan player of the round, and that kind of set the paper on everyone's speculation about him. Right on from there, and, you know, he scored a few more goals. Um, he helped them, you know, beat uh, Nor Shopping away as well, 2-0, which was a huge result. And for a time, they were near the top of the league series, which was unbelievable for you know, a club of um, that that kind of smaller stature. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of his attributes, I mean, do, do, you, do you want me to go into his attributes a little bit? I think um, w- uh, before you go into that, um, I just want to ask you how 
what sort of level do you think he can play at? I mean, is he going to transfer this summer potentially out of the league or will, will a bigger club in, in, in Sweden go after him or could he stay the whole season with, with Sirius? I think he will leave, if I'm being honest. Uh, in fact, the club haven't, have recently announced that they've kind of hired an agent, I think, they, to look for a move. They're not in, in a position to reject any kind of serious financial offer. They're, like I say, they're a fairly small club. And this is a player with development potential. He's 22. He can play in the central midfield. He can play on the wing. Uh, can perhaps play as an A mid. Um, what I like about him is he, you know, he's got a good left foot. He, you know, he's a technical kind of player. He's quite quite physically strong. Um, you know, so he offers those kind of qualities going forward. But he can also, you know, he also has a bit of tenacity about him to play in midfield. Um, what I don't like about him, perhaps, and the things he can improve. He, he doesn't really track back enough at the moment. I think that the defensive element of his game is something that needs work. Um, I watched him play live against uh, BK Hacken uh, earlier in May, and I didn't really think he, he stood out too much. It was a really open game, but I, th I thought he, you know, it was a 2 2 draw. Uh, Sirius nicked a late equaliser. Their manager is one to look out for, by the way. He um, threw everything forward and got a late equaliser, but. Safo kind of, you know, the thing I'd say about him is he, he, he didn't really look like he wanted to track back. You know, when they lost the ball sometimes, he would kind of throw his arms up and get a little bit frustrated. So I do think that's an element of his game to work on, which can be done because he's only young. But uh, yeah, in terms of his where he could go, I think it's almost certain he will leave within, you know, if not this summer, then, <clears throat> then the end of the season, excuse me. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he is a player to look out for, for certain. Interesting. I mean, I think it's always really good to sort of highlight players like this who, um, you know, how many times do goal scorers um, or, you know, creative players uh, out wide get the um, get a lot of the attention? Um, but he sounds like a really uh, good talent to watch out for, possibly more likely to transfer out of the league. And um, I'm going to kind of stick with, um, uh, again, a younger sort of talent um, in Norway. I'm going with... The player uh, Sigurd Rosted, who uh, centre back for Sarpsborg. I don't know if he's someone you've ever come across, uh, John. Yeah, I've, I've read a little bit about him, and uh, he's been described as one of the best best defenders in Norway. Is that correct? Well, I, I would personally say he definitely is. Um, he, he he didn't start last season as a as a first choice player, but by the end of the the campaign, he you know he was the first name on the team sheet, um, which was very encouraging, and he started. 2017 like a train on fire really um both from a defensive and an offensive point of view he's, he's already scored four goals incredibly which is remarkable for a centre-back uh, although not quite as remarkable uh, in, in some ways because Sarpsborg are incredibly good from set pieces uh, they get so many goals from corners and free kicks I guess it can't be classed as too much of a shock but still four goals from a centre-back position um uh, you know after 10 games is is, is quite incredible um, now, Rosted, I, I don't know how he hasn't um, had a Norwegian uh, national team cap yet because he's certainly good enough to be uh, in the squad and, and starting games. Some people call him Norway's best centre-back uh, right now. And uh, you can see why. I mean, his biggest strength uh, for me is his mental game. Um, great positional player. And I think he reads the game really well. Um, but he's a good all-rounder, really. Um, he's got great phys physical... Uh, abilities to match up with with, with big strikers and, and he's done it in the big games I think one of his best performances this year 
was um, against Rosenborg. Uh, it was a match Sharpsborg lost 2-1, but he was all over the place there, tackling everywhere. He seemed to be blocking, getting in the right positions and just doing all the, the basic things that, that centre-backs do well, really. And I think it's a position that's overlooked uh, he, in this day and age. Is he more of a sort of a Terry or a Ferdinand? Is he a you know, ball-playing centre-back or is he a, a bit of a, a rough house? Or? I would say more towards a ball-playing defender, uh, actually. Um, but, you know, not to, he's not massively great technically, but, um, you know, good enough uh, to hold his own. He's a good, I say, a really good sort of all-round Centre back. He's got all the attributes needed um, at this level in the elite area, and he's one of the top defenders. Quite where he could go from this league, I'm not entirely sure. It's one of them. I usually have a really strong opinion about a player where they, how far they could go if they moved. But right now, I actually feel he's in the right place, John. Um, I think playing for Sarpsborg in the elite area is the perfect place for him. It'd be nice for him to get some international honours now give him a bit more experience and I think you know see where they end up at the end of the season really um he, you know I think he's got he's a level-headed sort of guy he's he's come through um some difficult times uh, in, the, in the past with injury uh, that he's had to overcome so he's obviously a strong character um and I, I think um he's got great great work rate but uh, just that ability to be there in the right place at the right time is so underestimated I think uh, in this day and age when so much of the focus is on is on the attacking players you know uh, you can't beat a good a quality centre back. Um it is really worth a lot to your team. Yeah, definitely definitely sounds like one to look out for. Yeah, I I'm I'm really I think he's gonna probably end um the the, the season in, in the Elite Serian and uh I'm sure come the end of the campaign he'll probably be uh given awards uh, as a top um defender in the league really, certainly if he keeps up his goal scoring ability as well. And there's no reason to think that he will stop scoring uh, from set pieces he's brilliant in the air at scoring goals um and you know i could see him getting seven or eight at the end of the campaign and if sarpsborg were to go on and win the title he would be one of the main reasons uh why it happened really he's absolute top quality in my personal opinion um anyway uh we're running a little bit short on time so we'll just quickly move on to some uh, uh the weekend uh, upcoming games that uh, we're going to keep our eye on a um, couple of games in the Arsvenskan that really excite you, John, this week. Anything in particular? Well, you know, funny, you know, when you when you think of Norwegian defenders, just to go back to the original that your point in the made, sorry, I, I thought of uh, Ronnie Jonsson and you know, you join on Arisa and players like that. Obviously, so there is a there is a pathway, isn't there, for top defenders in Norway to to progress? But um, yeah, looking at games this weekend, sorry, uh, I'm quite. I, to be, you know, I know I'm going back to AFC Eskils doing it here, but I think your garden AFC is a is a massive game. I think for both clubs. I think your garden, you know, they've lost the derby, uh, which we discussed on episode one. Um, they're coming under pressure now. You know, that's a, a game they where they have a bit of a a bit of a curse, and you know, so that's that's put them on a bit of a downer. Uh, they haven't beaten ARK in several years, so the club's on a bit of a downer at the moment, and I think they need to bounce back and. AFC haven't won a game this season, so you know they need the points, as we've mentioned before. Yeah, it's a big game. I mean, Jurgarten uh, need to bounce back from that derby defeat. They will expect to win this game. I, I looked uh, with the bookies; they're about one to three favourites here. Um, you would expect they get the job done, or could AFC have a bit of a surprise? I wouldn't rule out a surprise. I, I like I say, I, I do think AFC play quite nice football on a day. I think they just lack a bit of steel. Um, Jurgarten seem to kind of lack confidence at times. Um, 
Kim Kalstrom's having some issues there. I think I think I think his engine is, you know, it's not what it was, and and they're I think they're struggling to kind of fit him into the team in in the four four two that they play. Um, one other game I'd like to point out on is on the Monday, which is Hecken against Ostersunds. I think pound for pound, these are two of the best uh, attacking teams in the league, uh, most exciting to watch. So, you know, Ostersunds have an English manager themselves, Graham Potter, who won the cup. He's taken them from the you know lower lower leagues to to um, you know cup winners of Europa League football. And Hecken are a really you know enterprising side. They have some good players. So, if you're looking for a game to watch, then I would suggest that one on Monday. Yeah, interesting stuff that um, I noticed it's fourth against first, AIK against uh, Malmo. That's a pretty big uh, fixture as well, uh, John. Uh, do you think Malmo going to bounce back from their defeat? Well, AIK have become the masters of 1-0 victories lately, uh, so I don't think it's a given. Malmo aren't firing on all cylinders, as I've said in, in the previous pod. So I could see that game maybe being a bit of a cagey one where AIK try and grind out a result and Malmo um, trying to assert their dominance on them. So, you know, if, I mean, those two games are being played at the same time. So if I had to pick a game to watch, I would personally pick Hacken against Ostersons. But AK Mama is obviously a massive game for the top of the table. So, um, yeah, a big test for Mama, I think. Yeah, AK have won four of their last five uh, by the 1 0 scoreline. They uh, know how to get the uh, job done there, don't they? I think uh, it's one of those rounds upcoming in Norway where there's not really a massive, massive game, but valerenga Rosenborg is probably one that stands out between two historic rivals. Uh, it's going to be played in Oslo. Um, obviously, Rosenborg, a lot of question marks about their form. Uh, I don't know whether that 9-1 Cup win is going to restart their engine a bit because, you know, something needs to to restart quickly. Otherwise, um, this is definitely a game they could uh, slip up in. The banana skin, Valerenga, a bit of a up-and-down team. I uh, don't know what to make of them at the moment, uh, John. They started the year with a really crap defence, but uh, things have tightened up a little bit recently, so that gives them hope. I've got a gut feeling Rosenborg might actually play quite well and get the win, but I certainly couldn't be sure uh, about that one. But, yeah, that's certainly the standout fixture in Norway. A game that appeals to me uh, is obviously a team we touched on, Brand against Arlesund. I mean, if Arlesund win that game, they could actually leap into the upper reaches of the table. There's only a three-point gap between them in sixth and Brand in second. Is that a game to watch or is, is that a game that kind of would be fairly routine? A good game to watch because I think it will be quite an attack-minded uh, sort of fixture. Uh, Brand actually won it 6-0 last year, um, incredibly. Uh, I don't think it's going to end 6-0 this time, but um, Arsenal ended last, last season incredibly strongly. They were one of the hot teams, in uh, certainly from July onwards. And... They started with a couple of defeats this term, but since then, they've actually uh, picked up an awful lot of points. Um, I was looking now, five out of um, five of the last um, eight matches they've, they've claimed victory in and with just one defeat, which was an unlucky one. Um, look, Bran are so good at home. Arlesund are in good form. They've got some good attacking players like uh, Moss and uh, Giassi. Bran are free scoring. Yeah, it'd be a good game to watch. I would imagine Bran might just about have enough to get over the line in that one. But, uh, yeah, good atmosphere. Should be some good attacking football on the show. So, um, yeah, if you're around uh, that sort of time, then, John, uh, definitely put that match on. Good stuff. Thanks. Okay, I think that's pretty much concludes uh, episode two of the uh, Nordic Football Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, We're just still settling into our new routine, aren't we, John? But uh, pretty much you can expect from future episodes the same sort of thing here. We're going to be talking about 
um, certain teams in depth each week, certain players in depth that we believe um, have got the, the talent that needs talking about. And um, this general um, chit-chat about Norway and Sweden, um, and in many cases, in-depth analysis uh, to a high-class level, which you know I know that you and, and me are, are really capable of um, day in, day out, John. So um, very much enjoyed this podcast, uh, just as I did the first one, uh, and really looking forward to, to episode three all, already. Um, uh, but thanks very much for your company and, and all your thoughts. Yeah, can, and I, can I just say that, yeah, quickly, um, to anyone who's listening, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nordic Foot, Foot Pod. And if there's a team in focus that you perhaps wanted us to look at next in the coming weeks, then do do uh, send us a message and, you know, get in touch with us. We'll be happy to kind of consider your your players in focus or, or your or your teams in focus and we can consider it, hey, Steve? Absolutely. Any suggestions, questions, um, you know, any criticism? We always welcome criticism as well. You want to get better. Um, then feel free to get in touch with us. And um, as I say, it's, just, it's still um, starting up um, in its early days, really, this podcast. But we we aim to get even better um, as time goes on. So, um, but yeah, from this particular episode, I'm going to say goodbye um, to everyone. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, take care and see you uh, for the next episode, which we hope you can join us for. <laughs>